What is and what isn't the Agile framework? And how do Agilists who practice the Agile framework offer value to a company? We'll be discussing all this and more on the second episode of the Modern Agilist podcast. Hello again, everybody, and thanks for joining us on another episode of the Modern Agilist podcast, where Justice, Rick, and I examine and discuss all things related to Agile and large-scale software delivery. We appreciate those of you who are joining us for the first time, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast channel. You know, guys, when it comes to software development, there are multiple different types of approaches or frameworks out there that have their advantages and disadvantages. Some frameworks considered to be Agile frameworks. Um, Throughout this podcast episode, we'll be answering the question, why Agile? What is considered Agile? And and how popular Agile frameworks add value to a company. There may be some of you listening right now even asking, what do you mean by Agile? There may be some of you even listening right now that you think that your company does Agile. However, you might come to the conclusion after hearing this podcast that your company says it is Agile, but in fact, it isn't anywhere close to it. So how can we determine what Agile is? Thanks, Mike. The way that I look at things, especially, you know, for people who are unfamiliar, like uh, as I learn something right and I'm unfamiliar with it um, or I try to explain it to somebody who may be relatively new to it. The way that I kind of look at things is by making an analogy to something that I do understand. Right. So the way that I look at software delivery and what kind of an approach should we use or maybe even more more broadly than software delivery just getting from something done right yeah from point um, a to point b right exactly yeah I, you know so i use a, an analogy a lot of times for things like that so that i can kind of break it down in my mind and explain it to others and the way that i look at it right if we're talking about delivery and in particular software delivery right it's just like if i said hey i want to travel from los angeles to denver i want to get from point a to point b um you know that is like travel right that's that's travel so uh getting from point a to point b you know is the same thing as delivery right getting from start to finish right and then within the types there's different ways that i can travel from point a to point b you know plane train car automobile uh, bicycle donkey whatever you want there's a bunch of different ways to travel so there's a bunch of different delivery methods at the same time right if we're using this analogy and then some of those delivery methods are agile frameworks um, and these frameworks are you know, specified different things you know different overhead that has to be completed to you know i'm safe i'm scrum i'm kanban i'm scrum at scale right so just like if we're using that analogy again you know i want to get from la to denver I think I'd like to use the method of travel called automobile, and I'd like to pick my type of an automobile. And now I have a couple different choices within there. I can get an SUV, I can get a sports car, I can get a sedan. And that's how we kind of got to look at what Agile is, right? It's, it's a way of delivery. It's a specific you know, um, flavor of delivery. And then within that, there's a bunch of different frameworks. Um, and then just traditionally speaking, you know, what what causes something or some framework to be considered an agile flavor right uh, in the past it's really the big two things that you know it had to meet to be considered agile is that it satisfies um you know the the principles that are listed in the agile manifesto and it's iterative meaning it's stopping and getting some sort of a feedback or some, making some sort of an observation on a, on a cadence uh, in the past if it's done that 
you know, a lot of people would just put the stamp of approval and say, you know, this is an agile framework, you know. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. That's what agile is, right? It's a way for, to get from start to finish. And then it's a flavor that is, uh, you know, considered agile because it does X, Y, and Z. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it wrong. You know. A quick question here: Do you, do you guys feel like, you know, that's a more of a traditional sense? And do you think it that the definition, quote unquote, of agile is changing here? And in, in 2020, I mean, I, I think agile just celebrated its uh, 20th birthday. Correct? I should say, yeah, uh, in 2021. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Just. Okay. No, just just to follow up on that. Um, it's weird because even to say the term agile, there's it's a unique thing, and it's it's something that is so common. Okay, you're not going into some software shop and we're like, we're not agile here. Okay, right. <laughs> it's assumed. <laughs> I've actually been to one that was. Okay. Rare, rare, rare. Okay. So it's so common and so assumed and yet tremendously hated by many in the engineering community. You literally can go to, you know, Hacker News or whatever and see comments and and, and there's this villainy, right? Um, Now, I think it's completely unfounded. I wouldn't be involved in this if I didn't like believe in it. And I think it's maybe a a reframing of, of what Agile is. Okay. If it was just a list of things that uh, these guys said, you know, back to Snowbirds, Agile Manifesto, they said, hey, we need to do this instead of that. Then I might get a little bored from that. You know, these aren't Moses' tablets that fell from the mountain, right? <laughs> right. You know, and so like to really get into the fundamental heart of what it is, this is my supposition, the way I perceive it, right? Agile is the iterative and incremental val- uh, delivery of user-facing value. Iterative incremental delivery of user-facing value and like when it's framed in that way suddenly becomes like much more interesting and generalized because you know i thought of this and we were thinking about you know doing this show and this topic this past week is you know we have the scientific method you ever heard anyone say like we don't do the scientific method here (laughs) we we don't do experiments to determine what's real we just decide right well the scientific method is appropriate but it's appropriate in a static universe you know Gravity doesn't change next week. You know, massive particles and stuff, these are stable things. And once you do some experiments and find out what they are, then that's good. Agile is basically doing very tiny experiments because the environment is changing all the time. Uh, the, The market is changing. What the customer wants is changing. The assumptions on what we thought we needed suddenly get corrected after a little experiment. And so less about particular practices or terms or even a, a, a work, a document, right? Is this experimental delivery of value. Um, and then, then that second part is the value from a user standpoint, right? So that's my understanding of what Agile is. Um, but, you know, with all the hate, if someone says, are you a fan of Agile or what is Agile? It almost depends on their preconceived notions on, on what they mean by that. Um, and even some people have adopted like writing the difference between uppercase and lowercase a, or even, you know, dropping the term agile together and using the term agility, meaning like we respond to change quickly. And so when somebody starts saying like agility, you know, they're in the know and they're trying to communicate something deeper besides a rote set of, we have these type of meetings with these names and here's how it works, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. You know, it's it's interesting too because again, when we talk about agile software delivery, you know, methods and frameworks, you know, we hear a lot about you know what we said and what you just kind of said about you know iterative delivery. Um you know, and then we start talking about those principles from the Agile Manifesto when you're speaking almost exclusively about software. And, you know, you start to hear about those principles creeping in and then how do we use this? And then there's, you know, lar large conversations about, you know, what is Agile software delivery? What are the different forms? What are the different frameworks? Um, you know, but it's interesting when you when you just think about Agile or iterative delivery or, you know, moving things through, you know, some sort of a throughput through a pipeline. Um, you know, that that whole you know, kind of shift in thinking came up well before the Agile Manifesto and some of the stuff that's being done today, you know, safe, scrum at scale, I'll say them again, you know, that that there was a mindset to shift that way well before these frameworks and these people got together and thought of things. Um, so, you know, it's not this is not a brand new concept, right? It's just something that's evolving. Um, and I'd be interested to hear a little bit, Justice, I know you have some cool takes on this, but I'd be interested to hear your take on, you know, when we specifically, you know, we can speak from experience with software delivery, you know, what what really is changing? You know, again, we talk about those 12 principles of the Agile Manifesto, um, you know, some of those may be dated um, or, you know, what considerations and things are changing with, you know, uh, specifically with software delivery or, or shops that say that we're agile, you know? What's what's new? What's changing? What's your take? Dude, that's a huge question and probably one that deserves a separate yeah. separate conversation. Separate show. Give us this a is, teaser. And I'm, I'm just shooting from the hip. I would say yeah. a few of the ones are uh, an overemphasis on um, co-location, being located in the first place. Now, this is amplified by, you know, the pandemic stuff, COVID stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's also... Inf infinitely mitigated by our technology. I mean, I hit a button and I see everyone's face and they're right in front of me. And if I'm trying to be flexible and respond to change quickly, then guess what? Getting the best engineers in the entire world and we can meet any time with a click of a button may actually feed into greater agility than needing to hire somebody in the same general location and show up in the same building. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so there's that. Another one um, is, you know, the emphasis on uh, documentation. I'm shooting from the hip and, you know, don't hold me to this. I may, as we dive into it for another conversation, pull back on this, right? But an emphasis on that excessive documentation is a blocker to agility. Like, I'm not sure a lot of the, a lot of that's happening right now. Partly a change in mindset and in the tooling where basically you have documentation created automatically from source code. Like, this is like pretty common, Yeah, I'm not sure a lot of organizations are drowning in documentation and so you know it, it kind of shifts and so the question is less about how have these changed this pre-list at manifesto list of priorities right and more so like what are the blockers now and it's interesting because mm -hmm. i think some of those blockers may have become far like more technical so the mm -hmm. manifestation of of uh, agility in the devops circles of mm. cicd uh, and, and scale, scaling delivery and, you know, coordination between teams, large scale stuff. That's the stuff that's like very interesting that you can, you can ask like what, I'm a big fan of the micro front ends, that whole movement, mm -hmm. but no one's mm -hmm. talking about that. That's not interesting or whatever, but that's the cool agility stuff, you know, mm -hmm. having another, um, 
having another, uh, you know, uh, stand up or people pass around a beanie baby to decide who's going to talk far less <laughs> interesting to me, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. It, you know, that, that gives me a, a, an interesting question. I'd like to pose to Mike too, you know, um, Mike, so you're, you're relatively new to this world, right? And so some of the stuff that we're talking about, maybe you haven't been exposed to yet. Right. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have seen some some core ceremonies and some core tenets of you know uh, software being developed in in a, a reasonably um, you know uh, uh, I would say uh, to up to the times agile shop maybe is the best way to put it but certainly you know there's there's a lot of exciting things Justin you know just talked about things that are you know a lot of people aren't talking about yet that, that can be explored but you've seen kind of some of the core stuff of you know an agile framework in practice um so let me ask you kind of having some time being having seen that and stuff like that are there things where you know you're like maybe you could give us an example of both things that you uh you're like man i you know, i didn't think about this prior to to working in an agile shop about how to approach this in this manner yada 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 and then also maybe something where it's like you know this is something that like justice just said having another stand up with an extra beanie baby you know and you know changing the order of a meeting it it's great it, it feels good for about five minutes but it offers no value have you have you seen those type of things and maybe you can elaborate a little bit on those types of things and when you're speaking like the, the core values are you like you know well let's put it this way right we all work together so we can we can speak plainly like you know we have daily uh stand-up scrums right? right we have uh retrospect your retros you get your stand-ups you get your refinement sessions you know in our planning sprint planning our right. demos so of those things like um the stuff that happens either those sessions or the stuff that happens in those um you know being relatively new to the space have you said boy this is interesting i haven't thought of it or approached something in this manner um and then at the same time are you sitting here thinking boy some of this stuff is unnecessary i've read about you know increasing you know your your retrospective gains and stuff like that and i you know i don't see a benefit in that i've tried yeah. that you know, so what, what are your thoughts just yeah i don't i don't i mean i don't to start like i, I don't see any any of these core ceremonies i don't see them as unnecessary i think they're very fruitful uh, I, th I think when when the founders adopted these ceremonies, um, I, I, they obviously adopted them for a reason. You know, um, there, there's there's a core purpose within each ceremony. Um, and in fact, and while I was when I first got hired on here, and, and I'm going through these ceremonies, I'm thinking like, man, like, I wish I could have done this stuff in my other job. We could have done. We could have got done. We could have got things done so much more faster, so much more efficiently. Um, yeah. Um, so that's pretty much my take on it. I, again, what, I, let me ask you this. What, yeah. what, what specific, so, you know, obviously there's, there's principles that guide a lot of agile frameworks, modern day agile frameworks. Right. right. And then these frameworks, you know, some, some are older than others, right. More seasoned than others. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of overlap, but there's some unique ceremonies in each. Right. But, you know, right now we're, we're practicing pretty heavily as a scrum shop set up with some some nuances in terms of how the teams are interrelated. But of the ceremonies that you mentioned, you know, and you said, oh, boy, I, if I had done this before, we could have got done things done a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, you know what? Give me an example. Like what could you have like 
what I'll, could you have taken from those ceremonies and done differently? Um, I probably would have, in my previous business, I probably would have taken the retrospective into perspective. I probably would have adopted that. Um, I believe it's it's really fruitful. You know, it's a time where, you know, yet you, you come together as a team and you discuss what went well this sprint, what didn't go well, and where are some takeaways? What are some positive trends that we can use, that we have used this sprint, that we can carry over onto the next sprint? And what are, what are, what are the concerns that, that occurred this sprint mm-hmm. that we could avoid in the next sprint? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really, if, if we would have, do- if, 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 if our company would have adopted that, mm-hmm. um, we, it would have been, we would have been so much more fruitful. Um, uh, we could have been a lot more successful. So that's um, that, that's that, that pause, inspect, adapt type of, yes. of the iteration that you're, you're talking about, right? Right, right. And Justice, I don't mean to put you in the spot, but what did you say towards the top again, if you could repeat that, um, you know, this this is what Agile is. It's the iterative delivery. Um, no, iterative and incremental delivery yeah. of user facing value. Right. I like yeah. how you say that. Yeah, it's good. So that's it's, good. It's, it's very interesting having somebody who's, you know, relatively new to the space saying, you know, one, and here's why I, I'll, I'll explain why I'm getting at this a little bit. But, you know, one of the ways that I find value as an agilist, that's what you're saying, Mike, you know, is to, to say, hey, that inspection piece, right, where we can adjust mm-hmm. accordingly is huge. And I could see benefit in the past and see, you know, using it now, I can see how it would have benefited people who haven't used that kind of approach. Um, but it's interesting. I've, I've done polls of engineers. Uh, on on various teams, you know, in agile shops, and almost none of them say retrospective is the most valuable session. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like the lowest, a lot of them say the most valuable session to them is stand up, right? Yeah, yeah, either either some sort of a stand up a daily scrum, you know, like where they're talking about what's going on. But another thing that you see, and you can kind of pair it with some comments that were made from these engineers was, um, being able to understand what's coming up and the planning sessions, not just the refinement sessions, but the sprint planning, the release planning, understanding what's going on, and then building out, you know, the, the work right. around that. Um, seems like, in my experience, the engineers seem to gravitate towards, and I guess it kind of makes sense because they're doing work, right, about what am I going to be working on? How do I do a job well done? I need to understand what's going on. Right. I need to understand what the, what the goal, po- you know, what the what the end zone is. So you know what? There. Yeah. Rick, for that very reason, I have mm-hmm. a suspicion. And that's why the retrospective or a time of reflection to generalize the language. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, course correction, a regular recurring course correction opportunity is why maybe engineers don't are not invested. Why? Because. They're invested in the planning mm-hmm. because they need to do it. They're skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They don't own the company. Mm-hmm. So basically an investment on delivering more rapidly or more effective. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, if this was a tiny little startup and everybody, you know, their next, their next quarter's paychecks depend mm-hmm. upon successful, effective, rapid Mm-hmm. you know, delivery, then I imagine like suddenly a, a recurring course correction, there's some skin in the game. 
You know, yep. they're like, no, 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 let's get down to brass tacks. What do we need to do different? Suddenly there's a, like a high level of investment, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's, I mean, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, I think, right? This is exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, that's one of the reasons it's important to continue to have that point of, of reflection and adjustment, right? Is from an agile standpoint, we need to make sure that we encourage people to, to feel like they have some level of responsibility and control over what's going on on their team. Um, you know, so yeah, I want to understand what's next. I don't really care. I just want to understand what I'm working on. You know, that's, right. that's, that's what, I, that's just the attitude that I see sometime. And that's not, not, I don't care about the team. It's just, I, you know, I don't need to know all the details. I just want to get my work done. I want to understand where we're going. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause they're doing the work. And then as is agile saying, Hey, you know, we want to look at how you're doing the work. You know, how efficiently you're getting it done and understand what's going on and what's making the clock tick. Um, you know, so it, there's there's a struggle, at least for me as an agilist, to say, how do I kind of connect the two? Right. How do I, uh, you know, have engineering teams and stuff like that that I work with that, you know, may I may or may not have any, you know, any uh, HR authority over. But how do I get them to care about making a tweak to help everybody move in a better and faster direction? Right. At the same time, how do I increase the visibility? Uh, if I have any any ability to do that as an agilist, how do I increase the vis visibility so that we also don't make it just about you know, fixing things? We actually look at it and say, what are we fixing? Why do we need to fix it? You know, is, are things going as well as they can? So it's yeah. just an interesting take, I think. So. I, I think we all would agree that all all the ceremonies add value um, to to a business or software development team. Um, but how else? How else can Agilists who practice Agile offer value to a company? Um, yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's it's along the same lines of what I was just saying, you know, and, and what Justice was saying, too, you know. Um, making sure, I think it's, 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 it's twofold, right? Making sure that we can somehow promote the feeling of ownership within the team yeah you know? um mm -hmm. making sure not necessarily gamifying work but just making sure that people understand that what they're doing makes a difference and then that their feedback if they feel like something needs to be addressed is valuable and actually gets addressed um so promoting that that sense of ownership benefits the team you know directly a lot of times but then as as agilists right one interesting thing that I think I alluded to in our first episode of the podcast was, um, you know, there was a question that was posed to me years ago now, and it was, how do you measure the success of a scrum master or an agilist or somebody who's, you know, like a facilitator or a PO or something? How do you measure that success? You know, they're not completing work, so you can't look and see what was their throughput, what did they do, um, you know. Uh, they're not a manager necessarily, so they're not necessarily getting credit for the you know overall success of you know an organization or a, pro a program. So, um, how do you measure that success of an agilist or a scrum master? And you know the easy answer is to say, well, the team's doing better. Oh, the team's doing good, you know. But there's a couple like couple things that like bug me with that response because we we said it a minute ago is. You know, the Agilist, the Scrum Master is not doing necessarily the work. 
they're not they're not coding or if you're not in software they're not out there building something you know they're looking at ways to increase that efficiency to promote that ownership that we just talked about to work with the team remove impediments but they're not actually doing it work so if something comes up and the priorities change or something breaks down um, the team may not do so great and then you're going to look at that team and say well it's the scrum master's fault essentially or the scrum master is not performing in the in the way that uh that they they should be performing that's that seems like a a rough way of of looking at it yeah, what what it is 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 have your cake and eat it too yeah. like you don't get any upside without yeah. risk right yeah so if you want to be like hey it's not on me team's just goofing around i don't know then if they're doing well you can't be like thank you i'll take the raise now you know it's like <laughs> exactly it, you exactly. take both you know yeah my big my big thing though to to try to address this and me being a data guy it may make sense why i'm saying this but um you know my big thing is look at things from a historical view capture the information in the data uh and, and manipulate that information in the way that you need to understand that information um so that you can understand how a team is actually doing um and then maybe as what we do here as an agile team right is we set goals your yearly quarterly goals mile markers milestones and we say okay at this point this is what we're going to try to do because we've identified this either on a specific team or a set of teams we've identified this struggle so we're going to try to enact this or do this um and so now we said on this date or on these dates we're going to start doing this and then we're going to move on to the next thing and we're going to move on to the next thing at the same time we're capturing the data and the performance of the team so we can see in addition to the work that they're doing if what we've done as agilists for that team or that set of teams made a difference and then we can kind of take our own medicine and look at it and, and inspect and adapt and say okay on july 12th we started kind of promoting back to basics holding to a sprint commitment making sure there's not a ton of sprint scope creep air quotes uh yada 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 we want to see if that helps the team move a little bit faster and hit their commitments better right and so we're recording how the team is doing we're pushing that really hard and then in a month and a half later we say okay pause for a minute we're going to have our own you know agile scrum master quote unquote retrospective and look to see if that made an uptick or a downtick in you know the metrics the performance of the team and if it made an uptick, we can inspect it and adjust accordingly. If it made a downtick, we'll inspect and adjust and accordingly and ask those questions. But that's that's how I can say, hey, this is how we can show you the value or you know the not value uh, that we're providing an organization or a program as agilists. Like, here's what the team's doing. Here's what we're trying to do. And now look, we're going to overlay the two and show you what effect that may or may not have had. That's good. Can I follow up on that? Yeah, please. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a really weird position to be in, right? Yeah. Because um, traditionally speaking, and almost universally, a, an agile coach, uh, scrum master, is is supposed to influence with no authority, and that is a that's a strange and high calling, right? And it's something I've personally uh, had to kind of wrestle through. And like, like where I've landed to try to understand how to do that, because, you know, um, I've used the example before of like a, like an annoying salesman. He, he shows up in your office, asks you to buy the special envelopes and you say no. And he's like, oh, just hang out here on the couch till you change your mind. It's like, get out. We don't want it. Right. And it's the same way if you're trying to influence people's opinion, but they're not interested. 
you know, what do you do? You just stand around and bug them, right? So I've tried to boil this down to say, okay, this is how an agile practitioner brings value. And the first is like a, a, an optimal uh, delivery framework. Mm -hmm. So basically you say, hey, if we organize in this way and do it this way, then you have it on my experience and research and that the, the, here's what should be the outcome, right? And that this leads into a prediction and an evaluation model. So we can say, okay, based upon, I said, we should do it this way. They do it that way. Then I should be able to provide like a high level of uh, prediction and also evaluation from the standpoint of like how healthy is everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then after both of those, the last is visibility. So all leadership, the whole organization, all teams can see what's happening. And then with options, AKA levers. Mm -hmm. So it's yep. like my, yep. my dad's career military man. He's like, you never brought a problem to your superior officer without multiple choice uh, options on a solution. You just give them a problem. You say, here's a problem. We could do one of three things, right? So that leadership can drive by multiple choice selection. You're the expert on this. Supposed to be. They're not, right? Right. And so if you do these three in a row, I feel like um, there's a, I feel personally, there's a strong path forward that doesn't have me, uh, you know, necessarily doesn't have the the agilists wringing their hands, mm -hmm. you know, you've done your part. You've created a roadmap. You're providing a mechanism for prediction and evaluation on the health of the organization. And you're creating visibility and it's leadership and the team's choice on whether they want to pull those levers to try those things. And if they do, and the outcome is good, mm -hmm. then you build some trust and there's some rapport and you're building into yeah. maybe trying more extreme things, you know? And, and and along the way, right, as you're pulling those levers and making those adjustments, right, and, and this is where this is kind of you know, the sidestep that I was making to your point is that you're kind of checking the performance of the team, recording that information, gathering not just numerical data, but just what's going on so that you yeah. can look at it and say, here's what happened here. Pull this lever. Here's what happened here. Right. And you can you can have that as background, too. Mm -hmm. That's great. I really like that. But consider, like, consider so far mm -hmm. in this conversation where we're at, right? Mm -hmm. And then contrast that with the vast majority of, of, of like, maybe vast majority is an overstatement. Many people in the software space, you know, engineers who just want to build cool stuff and do cool stuff, which is mm -hmm. awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Their perception on what Agile is, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's it's so different. Like what we're talking about here, you know, the the typical perception is uh, agile is a uh, stand-ups and grooming sessions and uh, demos and <laughs> retro yeah uh, i mean and what's insane is you could have a standard organization that has doesn't know anything about agile go in and rename a few sessions mm -hmm. and then be using all the terminology yeah and but nothing has changed about how it operates yeah i mean i don't think it's any secret that i'm i'm a ardent uh opponent of you know large overhead frameworks agile frameworks right I, I just i don't think they make sense and i think what happens is a lot of times the agile to scrum masters kind of get mired down and handcuffed into i can only do so much right and then there's the agile coach above me and then the whole organization has picked this framework you know what i mean so we we're very fortunate to not feel like that but to it's a really good point you bring up you know is uh you know you could be you could be you know calling things Agile or saying I follow this framework and really not be operating as an agile uh, shop, even if you 
put into into play all the names and the ceremonies and stuff like that. I've heard actual stories. And I think they, they call this lipstick agile. And the idea is you have a pig and you yeah. put lipstick yeah. on the pig and suddenly yeah. this is supposed to be your girlfriend, right? And it's like <laughs> it's like the lipstick changed nothing. It's a pig, right? And I swear I've seen some jokes or memes or whatever where it's like company went from having a morning meeting with the engineers for status report and then they changed the name to stat up stand up yeah and now they're an agile shop yeah that's a great example of like <laughs> uh you know you, you're calling it this you're you're looking at what it is you're looking at the principles but you're really not doing it like you know get get give me a little deeper of an example because i'm interested um you know uh, the 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 lipstick agile you said right um uh, you know good example of hey okay we have a stand-up now <laughs> you know we changed the name of the meeting but like you know just because you're doing this i mean what are some other examples i guess is what i'm asking of what isn't quote unquote agile you know but but pretends to be maybe oh i would say you know be careful not to be on a on a binary scale of like this is or isn't if this thing is happening but mm -hmm. you know it's a it's a spectrum okay mm -hmm. and so like small things if you think about them can be a bit strange right so for instance having a morning status report from all the engineers that's called a stand-up mm -hmm. it's like that's a little odd right i mean mm -hmm. if our goal is the iterative and incremental delivery of user-facing value and we need to deliver whatever that next iteration is that next ink version of the product or whatever right. that is right then really that that stand-up is a is a discussion on coordination anyone have any blockers what's happening with the work it has nothing to do with my personal, what I'm doing for the day. There's trust there. I'm a professional. We're all professional. We're trying to move this work through. So even, even it's changed, like in that example, from what I did yesterday, what I'm going to do today and what I'll be done. You know, th that, that is even changed to a more focus on let's look at a board, see the work and, 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 and see it come through, right. Focus on, are we going to meet the, the goal? Right. Another one might be, um, let's say demos. If demos is a status report, you can do a full blank, full blown big bang release. Mm -hmm. So like the first version takes, you know, we're going to work on it for four years and, and, there, <laughs> and yeah. there are software projects out there right now that mm -hmm. are not live that are about to launch V1 four years in the making. No joke. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and then, so it's like, you could have that and guess what? every two weeks have something and call it a demo when in fact it's a it's a project status report mm -hmm. it's a, it's like hey everything's good are we okay and like yeah we're going to be good for four years from now <laughs> well i i've seen it too i mean yeah you don't get the feedback and you don't get the changes you know the feedback stuff like it's not current at that it's, point, it's, but... it's not in the customer's hands it's right. no value to the customer well, that's a, I yeah. mean i've been part of demos where it's just been an internal demo i'm like have we shown this to the stakeholder or the customer the end user and they're like no no we don't need to do that and what are we demoing for <laughs> right you know <laughs> we don't need to demo to ourselves so mm -hmm. yeah good point but you know it, it can get it can get toxic though because if if um if we associate like the names of those things and the doing of them like the specific things, like all the terminology and the stuff related in kind of in the agile space. If we say this is the way to do it, if you're not doing, you're not doing agile, you end up with something people call like process religion. 
where it's like, this is the way it's done because it's the right way and it's the way we do it. And you actually can diminish the agility of an organization, <laughs> their ability to change rapidly because you're like, but but we have to have this meeting and call it this and treat it in this way. Even it, even something that would be good otherwise, if seen from a different perspective, it can be. And, and there's a reason too why you so many, you know, probably a million articles online refer to Agile as a cult, process religion, mm -hmm. and, and, and can criticize even its the first description of its sessions as ceremonies. I've been yeah. roasted on LinkedIn for offhandedly mentioning a ceremony. They're like, this is not a religion. I'm like, ah, it's an old term. You know what I mean? The session, whatever you want to call it, the meeting, yeah. the session, whatever, you know. I, I, have either of you experienced like this is something that's been you know I've experienced and it's been or at least observed and it's, it was frustrating to me is that you know you either to the process religion point right you're you're working in a place um, that you know maybe is operating in some sort of an agile manner right following a framework doing things iteratively you know hitting hitting the main points that we would consider you know what would be a quality agile shop right or what people would consider quality agile shop, but you can tell maybe as a third party kind of looking in or working there or working as an agilist. And you're like, this is not working the way that they're approaching this, even though it's quote unquote agile um, is not working for them. There's a better way, but they're reluctant to adjust because they, this is how we do it. This is agile. We're doing it. We don't need to change this. Um, when in actuality, they, they maybe should try a different framework or potentially you know, agile is not the not the end all be all here maybe maybe they shouldn't operate in that manner maybe they're very small and it's just you know it's like you said a startup maybe that's implementing for example maybe i should take that back just a little bit step that back but implementing safe you know on a, on a really large scale overhead you know version of the safe framework for a startup is it's probably not the most productive thing um, so have you ever witnessed, I guess, people that are just reluctant to change, either shift into a different approach to Agile or shift away from it entirely to, you know, maybe a home-baked uh, framework or approach? Have you seen that, either of you? Yeah, I, I will say that there's such a a cost a, a associated, like at a certain size, where it's just probably simpler to say let's go the safe route and bring some consultants in and do like a big transformation as it were when you um, say the safe route you mean the cautious route or the actual you know, scaled agile framework yeah, okay. right so like yeah so like this yeah. thing's wrapped in plastic plug and play type. yeah i got you i got you you know and when you consider like the cost and like you know it, it's just kind of you know it's the apple airpods they just just put them in. It's going to fit your ear. You know, it's a thing, right? Or it so, works good enough. Yeah. 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 There's no, no big risk here. You're not buying experimental like Indiegogo headphones, you know, mm -hmm. like <laughs> trusting some guy who's got some home baked thing. Right. So mm -hmm. it's almost like an easier route at a certain size. And then once you go down that route, it allows people to have the same type of terminology, but that ease and that lack of trust or experimentation also can make it so kind of heavy handed and top heavy yeah. you end up do you end up doing stuff that i found strange when i first was exposed to it like uh doing a 
program increments planning where it's like, yeah, we're agile, we change quick. And it's like, let's put hundreds of people in a room for days and plan the next quarter <laughs> of all sprints for all teams. It's like, yeah. so, so it seems like we've turned a corner here, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, hey, maybe like I was saying too, or maybe I've seen people that try to kind of like shoehorn things too. Like, we got to do that. You got five people here. Why do we have to do that? You know, it's a start. Right. You have five people. You don't need to do that. You know? Yes, it's interesting. The, the best version of that, like, hey, there's a few people here. Let's is like I like to call programmer anarchy. It's a mm. that that term's a very appealing to me. But it's like we write code and ship. We yeah. ship. It's like nice. <laughs> yeah. They hit dingers. Yeah, dingers. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, Mike, what are your thoughts just on um, you know, kind of the again rel being relatively new to this what are your thoughts on just where things stand you know what agile is and, and maybe what's your take on you know if it's you know, since you see so much benefit in it coming from the non-agile world um you know is it is it something that you would implement all across the board and in different projects different stages of your you know your professional career or what are your thoughts just in general i guess is what i'm asking i mean back back to your point of uh somebody trying to do agile in, in, in the safe framework, um, using the safe framework. Uh, you obviously can't do that in a startup company. Um, but, but what well, I, well, you, I guess you could, right. I'm not, you I'm could, saying, you, you know, right. Yeah. Right. Right. So it might, might not be the best fit. Um, but you know, what I thought was interesting is just as you brought, you brought this up is, um, some people really take this as a cult, as like a religion. Um, you gotta do these ceremonies this way. You got to do it ABC. You got to, you got to cross the T's and dot the I's and do it this way. Um, and, you know, it, it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, it, it seems like, you know, as, as time goes by, years go by, decades go by, you know, as Agilus, we inspect and adapt. Um, and, you know, if, if, if we're not inspecting and adapting, then what are we really doing as Agilus? If we're just going to stay in the same boat of, Hey, we're going to do it this way, and we're not going to change, and we're not going to come to the times. Then is it fruitful? Um, so, I, I it's really interesting, Justice. That like, I don't even know that even like people even like took it as like that seriously. Like this is a religion of right. of agilist. You got to do it this way. So I just, yeah. yeah I just Mike, you ever heard of dog fooding? No, it, dog educate fooding me. Is a dog fooding is when a company, let's say they're building some sort of project man or messaging software, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the messaging software that they use within their company is, is the same product that they are building and sell to customers. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're a dog food manufacturer. Do you feed your dog the dog uh, food from your company? Right. No and way. So, it's no good. <laughs> yeah. Well, eat it myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This food, this dog food gives my dog dry skin. He's itching yeah. all over the place. And Feed my kids. I'm such a fan. But so, so, so there's a, there's an element here where it's like, you know, the agile community, I think needs to be dog fooding. Right. Right. And then that, that means like eating their own advice as far as like open to change um, at the macro level. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, we got to be in our own advice, you know, and the thing that the thing that changes in that definition of the 
iterative and incremental deliver of user-facing value is what is that value? Because to one customer, it's one thing or depending upon the product. And so how we enable this kind of delivery, like that can change, you know, depending right. upon the unique challenges that we're facing in our, in our time, you know. Yeah. Bingo. I, I mean, I could, couldn't agree more. I mean, my, my big thing I get jazzed up about, too, is that, you know, if we're going to talk about making changes at the macro level about Agile as a whole, right, and the approach and the categorization of delivery that is Agile as a whole, we as Agilists and Scrum Masters and Agile coaches and, you know, whomever else, we have to be comfortable enough to say we need to inspect how we're doing what we're doing in our own organization or group, mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah. Okay, good. You know, we've changed it at the macro level, uh, but we're still running, you know, scrum at scale. Uh, but we're moving pretty slow, you know, well, it's all right. It'll work. It says it's going to work about the book. It's going to work, you know, um, but you have to be comfortable enough to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm gathering the information and I'm making different scenarios and I'm setting up the levers like Justice said before, and I'm going to try some stuff and see if it makes a difference. And maybe that leads to we should do something a little bit differently and maybe kind of make this our own a bit or none of this is working. We have to scrap it and kind of start again uh, in a way that's actually beneficial for the group and the, and the organization that we're operating within. So it, just like we say, hey, you know, let's, let's think about how we deliver as agile, agile macro. We have to be comfortable enough as agilists to say at the same time, we need to look at whatever we're doing, an individual group basis and, and adjust that too. That's, that's to, my my opinion to to soften what we're saying a bit right i, yeah. I just want to add something right one these frameworks have the most insane insights mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that are like extremely useful and helpful and illuminating like team topologies scrum at scale safe like all this stuff there's stuff in there like distinction between feature teams and COPs, communities of practice, practice. And like, it's, it's deep. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. so it's in there. Right. But I, I think I like to pull that stuff out, but then in its application, especially in communities or contexts that are not all, they're not for in this agile, whatever, I avoid all recognizable terminology. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I will say on a regular interval, rather than a sprint mm -hmm. or delivery on cadence rather than like a sprint right or, or to avoid all terminology because as soon as somebody gets a little whiff that you're from those people suddenly they are you've poisoned mm -hmm. what you said yeah. and let me tell you if you say this stuff in other contexts where you're seeking to do organizational change right and you say it without it's been my experience especially recently right if you say it without that language they're like this is genius <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they like freaking love it they think you're coming down from some enlightenment from the future on how to like organize and even the thing too is um i've even uh, uh, dropped kind of the use of the language of agile in other contexts to avoid like the sniff test of people saying, oh, he's one of them, right? And just yeah. speak of like large scale software delivery. Yeah. Or just software delivery. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that that takes you into like the DevOps space. That that takes you into the like the technical stuff as well as the software stuff. But it kind of it kind of brings some freshness to the whole conversation compared to just like, 
oh, oh, you're you're a different denominate. You're in that scrum and scale. You're in the safe. I'm right. in discipline agile. I'm in the dad group, discipline agile delivery. We have different denominations, but this is our orthodoxy. You step outside of this, heretic. You know, you, you flips the whole script on that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, at the same time too, like like I was saying, we have to be able to you know observe what we've done and where we are as an organization, right? Um, by talking about it and thinking about it in non-specific terms to a framework or to an, being an agilist or something that helps i think at least me it helps me not fall into the trap of well i didn't i didn't hear about that when i was when i was you know working on this transformation or when i was mm -hmm. implementing this framework you know it, i'm thinking of it more of how are we delivering software how are we delivering a product that's real good justice i really i really like that and just a disclaimer too i'm not opposed to people using certain prescribed frameworks or ones that are out there i'm just saying we need to be unafraid to make changes and to observe things so again that's why i really like you saying well oh, strip out the words like sprint and use words like you know cadence or something like that. that's really good it's, cool. it's the ultimate in that uh shoe ha re mm -hmm. you, you heard about this one mike no Dude, elaborate on it listen she what, what is it again? Shu Ra Ri. Shu Ha Ri. Shu Ha Ri. And the idea, and I love this analogy because it's taken from martial arts, right? And I'm a black belt in seven martial. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken, and the idea is there. There are levels of proficiency and expertise in something, and this reflects three levels the shoe level is the student, and he follows the rules exactly as they're written he in you know he he walks one step this way and punches and then one step to the left and kicks and he learns katas rote routines and he steps through them steps through them stuff exactly as he's they're supposed to right? i feel like that's where i'm at right now yeah so go on but so, so look how this thing unfolds man it gets wild yeah. so yeah. that's shoe the next is ha a person reflects on the rules and looks for the exceptions and breaks the rules this is the nuance this is the uh a gradient okay not binary this is okay there's a debate over a thing here what's the end goal how you know this doesn't always hold true so how do we accommodate for that the exceptions to the rule right would you call so, those people rebel uh rebellious people no 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 this is the natural evolution of okay. uh, proficiency Okay. So you start with shoe. These are three types. This is like the progression, right? You start with shoe, mm -hmm. the rote routine. And now that kick that you do in that particular kata, you can do that kick under any circumstance because you've practiced it a million times. All right. You you, you total, uh, what's it called? A musician just goes off and plays it, something. Improvises. Yeah. Imp improvisation, right? Well, it's like the, I, the wax on, wax off. Miyagi, you know, yes. karate kid. You know, yep. you've now practiced that. Now when something happens, you're, you're like reflexing almost. Yep, you know? yep. And so then we get to the third, which is the re, right? Rules are forgotten as a person has developed mastery and they grasp the essence of the underlying Ooh. forces. Okay? So it's not just a creative variation. But in fact, it's become a part of their nature to do the thing in a certain way. That's good. Right. And wow. so so for that reason, even though we've said some negative stuff on some frameworks and I, I love them, I love them. And I tell you what, anytime I get a free weekend and I can cram in some training with a certification at the end on some new way, I'm like, give it to me. I need it.
you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're the, uh, then you're the badge collector. <laughs> I, 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 I love it. I, Nothing I wrong with that. that. I say that the best way possible. You're the badge collector. My, my education on my online resume is like this little short thing, but then the certifications the next, I'm like, keep scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> I agree though. That's incredibly valuable, uh, especially as you bring that to our, our group of agilists, right? Because yeah. you're, you're really informed about number one, what's out there, what's going on at a, at a deep level, a relatively deep level. But you're also kind of digging into the what's next or what are people doing? And that has benefit, you know, had a benefit to our group because we've been able to, you know, take what you know and take the best practices. And we're just, we just so happen to be one of those shops that have made our own agile, quote unquote, framework way of operating. But we've taken a lot from these frameworks, the, the best, you know, the, the best approaches, the best practices, yeah. and then made them our own in our own professional career you, you know if, if i can say this you know i i've only been here for like 20 minutes as far as like being in the world of, of agile realistically like going on six plus months um justice i've never i've never seen anybody inspect so much and be and dive into so much at, like you do i think it's i think it's awesome and like in the true sense in the true sense of of the word agile and when it comes to inspecting and adapting you are like you are in there man you're like a bloodhound nose to the ground inspecting like crazy like when if there's a if there's a bad cert available boom you're inspecting and it's great to have that on the team um because you know if, if we're not going anywhere then then where are we going we're obviously going nowhere um so it, it, it's 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 neat to, to to learn from from both you guys and it's it's neat to, to see that drive and passion um from somebody so so yeah, thanks guys. I definitely feel that I'm in the in the shoe ha stage of just taking yeah. awesome stuff that other people figured out and put my own little flavor on it and trying to, you know, be some unique, provide some unique contribution. You know. So. Yeah, I was I was gonna try to say that word, but I, I like in my mind I was like, should I say it? I was like, no, I can't even pronounce it right. Shoe ha. Shoe. <laughs> it's like it's three, words. Three, three words. Three yeah. words. Shoe ha re yeah anytime you can associate a uh, computer desk job with martial arts it's yeah. the path oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody I, I, maybe i'm maybe i'm dreaming this but uh somebody had had talked about something i think it was a trade like agile training thing and it, it was like come to the agile dojo i think it was in a conference yes thing. i yeah. remember that yep oh, that's pretty cool that's that's it's pretty great, great. Cool. Um, well, yeah. So, you know, I, th I think even though we talked about a lot, I think, you know, and Mike, you tell me if I'm, I'm off track on this, but, you know, one of the things that we wanted to kind of get across today and discuss was, you know, what is agile, right? Yep. Um, you know, what does it really mean? What are some different ways that it's being, you know, considered to, for being used, you know, as, as frameworks or maybe, you know, bits and pieces of frameworks. How is it being measured? How is it being talked about? What do people think about it? You know, um, all that kind of stuff. I think we touched on a lot of that, um, you know, and I guess really to kind of round that out from my perspective, you know, um, we, we were starting to kind of touch on this a little bit too, is that, you know, 
just saying you're agile doesn't mean you're agile and just being agile doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, you know just having some framework that you pick and choose doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing but rather looking at things from uh, what are we trying to do and using terminology that actually expresses what you're trying to do get things out the door get things from point a to point b get things from start to finish um you know we have seen that implementing some sort of an iterative delivery method um, ha just from observation and from the past and from personal experience has usually benefited a company and organization. Uh, implementing something like that has really usually been a beneficial move. Um, so that's why we're, at least me, a proponent of whole agile methodologies, the principles behind it, stuff like that. Albeit, I'll say, you need to make sure that you're comfortable to change at a macro and a micro level. So what what is what are the principles, just like Justice said, of Agile today? And what are what we're doing internally uh, is that is that have to change as well? So maybe we think of things a little bit differently as time progresses. But the uh, the, the point remains why we do agile, why we say it's beneficial, why we say it's good is because what did you say at the beginning, just it's it is the iterative and delivery, incremental delivery, delivery yes. incremental, yeah. yeah, of uh, deliver of user facing value. Yeah, So that's, that's great. I, I just really like that. So, like, <laughs> I can't get it. I don't know why I can't remember it for this podcast. But well, what's crazy it. is so much time I was trying to synthesize that because mm -hmm. we had written a a handbook for mm -hmm. an organization to say this is you know basically that uh that first level of um the responsibility of the agilist is like what's an optimum delivery framework right mm -hmm. and, and and we needed to have some principle that drove all the rest of the practices in there and it was basically effectively that that description iterative and incremental delivery of user facing value and we called it the prime directive yeah you know yeah. we call that in our current organization this is the prime directive right what i love star trek so that works but but the idea of like hey if some other stuff is not feeding into the prime directive or through some unusual circumstance contradicts it then feel free to drop it we don't care mm -hmm. what the name of it is right because we got to trust the people closest to the work and this has to be the driving thing and guess what we won't go wrong with it because it's about the customer getting them value so you know and if we are wrong, guess what? We'll get it right in the next uh, iteration because it's incremental and iterative, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah. I get, I love the the prime directive. That's kind of how I think of it. What did we say initially? I like the prime directive, so <laughs> I like saying yeah. that. Yeah. I'd like to go around the horn and ask how our, our if, if our views have changed on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm asking this because I'm telling you, they changed a lot for me. And when I think back to stuff I used to say and do, I'm like cringing hard, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's go around the go around the horn. And maybe if they haven't changed, like, you know, this principle applied in other areas could have changed. I mean, even outside of the software scene or whatever, you yeah. maybe we're committed to a certain approach that now you're like, I kind of wouldn't do that now, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Rick? Um, you know, I, I like that we brought up Shuhari uh, earlier in this conversation. I think you brought it up, Justice, initially, um, and we talked about it a bit because um, it made me think a little bit about, like, where, where am I? Like, and, um, you know, just my 
areas of interest and expertise and are different than your guys you know so maybe the way that i look at where do i stand on this you know, spectrum of learning and then being the, the master of it um, is an interesting thought but i guess the, why i'm saying that is it's kind of influenced my take on you know agile frameworks methodologies approaches stuff like that um and where i'm i'm kind of like at the point where i understand the iteration the incremental delivery like we've been talking about um but what i do you know is i look at things from the perspective of does it meet that or match that prime prime directive that we were talking about and how do i how do i understand um if we're going down this path the impact that it's having if we were again to move those levers to change something how am i gathering the information to see uh you know, what what that's done if we implement something different and then how do we switch back right so i'm looking at it at a a more high level uh than when i was a scrum master with one or two teams where i was more concerned about what they were working on and stuff like that i'm looking at it from from a program standpoint or from a group standpoint saying okay now i need to make sure that we're analyzing things so my view on it has changed maybe because i'm not doing quite the same things as i started when i started as an agilist as a scrum master um and at the same time i also think you know my affinity towards it has only grown you know um but but uh, uh if i were to ever run into a situation whether it's what i'm doing now or what i used to do before and it's somebody put me in the the, the box of do this framework do not deviate here's the book i would probably like run away the uh, you know, ejection yeah. seat right so maybe that's the most fundamental way my view has changed yeah. is that before i was like okay i'll learn it i'll get it down i will i will memorize every period in this book and every comma in this book and we're going to run it just like it says now i'm to the point where you know again i'm analyzing stuff a lot but if i were ever back in the position where i'm like hey i got to do this for a specific team i'd be like no, no, no. I, you know, this book's great it's a good guideline you know but let's see what's going on first you know i'd, I'd want to look at things uh in a more not just by the book more of a understanding what's actually going on kind of sense if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah I, I would even i would rick i'd probably say i'm in the same boat too because like right now is like i feel like where i'm at right now i'm just like yes sensei Give me the book. I'll I'll read the book. I'll do the book. Right. You know, whatever. Um, but you know, after with, the with, with experience, right? That you would anticipate though that kind of going away, and you're looking at things from your own experience. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But that, that's what I mean. But yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. But on a comical note, I've also learned to never use the word ceremonies. Thank you, Justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll get blasted, man. <laughs> But how about, how about you, Justice? How uh, Has your views changed? Man, let me tell you guys. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say two examples where I came into an organization. The first thing I did in this one organization is try to set up all these sessions and define the purpose and, and get into this. And, um, it, you know, another time too, I came into an organization and uh, I remember the, the engineering manager wanted to have a meeting with the team to kind of unpack how something could be done. And I was so opposed to having any type of meeting that what didn't fit into basically the scrum guide or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, is this a grooming session? 
And he's like, no. And I'm like, then <laughs> why are we having it? It was like, dude, it was so rough, man. And he was, he was very patient. And he's like, he's just like, we'll call it a grooming session. <laughs> okay. Now back to the nuance, it's good to protect the team's time. If they're caught up in right. all this kind of stuff, but you see it's, it's the issue there is not really what happened. It's the motivation. If the motivation is to protect the team's time and the team is time is protected, but they're trying to solve a, a problem, then heck yeah, let's do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but this kind of coming in and saying, we need to set this stuff up ASAP has been replaced with what are we delivering to who and how is it happening right now? And a hundred questions to follow mm -hmm. the skill set of the team, how they're organized, the, the, their interface with the organization. Do they do it through a total proxy of a product owner? Like the, the mechanics, the problem, the dangerous mechanics that can be in place. Are there seven POs and the team is trying to please them all? Right. Or, or you know, what are those mechanics and like, what is delivery? Who's in charge? What are the deadlines? It, it, it's replaced with, uh, I think, a, a way more stronger learning perspective at the, you know, I need to know the big picture and then values drive, driving what the next action is rather than unroll the plan and the names and the meetings right now. And if I do so, then I think I'm doing my job, right? So if that makes sense, that, that, that change is what's been Absolutely. a big change for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And that's going to do it for our second episode of the Modern Agilist podcast, where we examine and discuss all things related to Agile and large-scale software delivery. You can find the latest episodes and our latest blog posts on our website, themodernagilist.net. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you liked our content, please take the time to subscribe. Thanks again for listening.